everyone, welcome again to another episode of Crossover Commerce. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is my corner of the internet where I bring the best and brightest in the Amazon and e-commerce space. It's a little dark in my corner of the internet today, and I haven't been able to get the lighting correct as I was joking with our guest today. So if you see me tweaking with some lighting uh, and you're watching this, I apologize with that. But it is dark and overcast here. It's a dark and stormy day. It's all great. Um mysteries start i'm not sure uh where i'm going with that but it's a little dark so i apologize with that we'll try to tweak it before we get going too deep into the episode but this is my corner of the internet called crossover commerce i'm ryan kramer and this is episode 232 uh 233 let me uh back that up 233 of my uh my show uh where i bring the best and brightest in the amazon e-commerce space helping sellers and entrepreneurs grow with all the insights that uh, tips and tricks that we bring with every guest here on Crossover Commerce. That could be anything from sourcing logistics to advertising to marketing to product ideation to um, logistic challenges to international growth to even localization. That being said, this is the podcast you want to be watching and making sure that you subscribe to. If you're watching live, you're probably watching us on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. Or if you're listening to this podcast at a different time, you're listening to us on your favorite podcast destination. That can be on Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, wherever your heart desires and you download your favorite podcast. That's where Crossover Commerce is going to be. Make sure you sign up and download all of the past episodes, or you can just go to usa.pingpongx.com forward slash podcast. Always the destination to go to get all of our past uh, episodes, video, audio, as well as our transcripts. So if you uh, wanted to go back, uh, go back to key takeaways and and check out some of the past um, talks that we have done, all the transcripts are available. Seasons one through now four um, are available there as well. So that being said, this is episode 233 um, of this. And what a lot of people, when they come to me and they approach me some topics uh, for the podcast, I always get intrigued by the ones that are a little bit obscure, but ones that really truly can help people in just a, a certain way increase their business by 1%, right? There's a whole adage of get better 1% every single day. When you look back a year from today, you can grow obviously 365% on top of every single day. It's compounding. It allows you to build your business to grow in various ways that you maybe never have done so before. So that's what we're going to try to do today and and get a little bit uh, nerdy, if you will, uh, utilizing data, as everyone knows. I love understanding how data can help you point in the right direction. So that's why we titled today's episode, How E-Commerce Companies Can Use Data Better. Are you, using, are you utilizing data? Are you making decisions based on data, factual evidence, or are you just using your gut feeling? A lot of people do that, and I think that um, sometimes they go back and say, I wish I just listened to the what the data was telling me. Um, there's always always great podcasts follow data. Um, even the man myth himself, Jeff Bezos, says work back words from utilizing data and making sure that you're listening to all of what it's saying and not just pick best guess scenarios. So that being said, we have a real treat for you um, today. We're going to be talking with Shanif Dani of uh, Aptio. So he has uh, started his business. He actually was telling me about working with uh, Twitter ad platforms and helping utilize AI to help better understand advertisements and help people utilize data so that is applying advertisements and obviously utilizing that data to get in front of relevant audiences. So with that being said, we're going to be talking about how to use data better for your e-commerce company. So without further ado, welcome Shanif to Crossover Commerce. Let me go ahead and pull up the right button. 
and uh, welcome to the show. Hey, Ryan. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Appreciate Jenny, the time. Yeah, it's been it's a pleasure. Uh, we were uh, we were playing. We, it's been a, it's already been a day today and it hasn't even been noon. So uh, <laughs> it's been yeah. a cr- it's been uh, crazy. You've been watching me play with my lights like a fool. And uh, you think I would get this right by 233 episodes. But sometimes it do- the sun doesn't shine through the windows. You have to pull up all these different lights. Maybe I'll throw on a- another light here, too. But, hey, thank you for joining me today. You're joining me from New York, Manhattan, correct? Yes, sir. That's right. Midtown all right. Manhattan. Midtown Manhattan. So uh, is that really your background or is that... Uh, that looks like uh, uh, maybe a real, that's a nice apartment if that's really your apartment. But I, uh, is that really uh, where you're at? Believe it or not, this is real. You know, a lot of people do think sometimes that it's fake. But this is this is the box that I live in, even though it looks nice. There's a I was going to say, is that your whole apartment right there? It's pretty much, you know, the whole thing, give or take. So there's not a whole lot going on outside of this. But what little I have, I try to make it look nice. Uh, no, I, I appreciate that. But uh, jo- all joking aside, that's amazing. Is that... Uh, so with your company and, and how you do work today, is that office? Is that just home right now? Like, is, do you guys have a, a work or an environment space uh, with your team? Yeah, we're all, you know, ever since the, the pandemic of March, you know, March 2020, we went uh, remote, fully remote. And so we're all sort of working from home. Um, I have started to kind of go into WeWorks now twice a week, just using okay. the day pass. Uh, but yeah, it's all all remote at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's how a lot of e-commerce businesses really like to grow. Um, So how big is the team? I I guess maybe before we get into too deep about you, I want to know your background. I want to know, we were talking a little bit pre-show about how you got involved in e-commerce and how into this space you got, um, I won't say nerdy about it, but I'm going to say you got (laughs) nerdy with numbers and we got uh, excited about numbers. Before we get excited about numbers, I want to know your background and how we are. you were born, how the old adage, you were born, you're here, what happened in between? Appreciate that. And I'll, you know, I'll, I'll geek out and nerd out about numbers any day, Ryan. Let's do it. Um, that's awesome. And that's because, you know, my background is mostly in the world of, you know, today it's called AI, but really data science, machine learning, and, and software engineering. So I was born at some point along the line, I got really interested in <laughs> software and programming. And then I got more interested in sort of using software to create really cool a- applications that are like data driven. So you can think of those as AI apps. Um, started helped start a company called Tap Commerce. It was one of the first mobile advertising platforms. We was u- using uh, you know data. I was a lead engineer, head of analytics there, using all things data to run ads. Uh, we sold to Twitter, so I worked at Twitter for a few years as a data scientist on their ads team, as well as a few other teams. And then we started Aptio, you know, and that's kind of where we are today, helping uh, e-commerce brands use data a little bit better. So you're driving sales with hyper-personalized campaigns that convert. Um, what does that mean? I, I'm just curious. Like, yeah. If I look at your website, I see a lot of data points. I see, what, what does that mean? That, that's your, your position. What, what does that mean to you as yeah. a company? Why should people care? Yeah, you know, I I've I have a lot of empathy for for marketers. They've got a tough job, you know, and they're trying to become yes, we do. even better trying to be yeah, it's tough. Um and it's made it's been made even tougher, you know, last year with Facebook's sort of uh de- declining ability to find really good customers and then next year with Google removing third-party uh, cookies. So when we say look, we try to make your marketing really personal really what we're trying to do is help you send the right message to the right person so that they're more likely to open it click on a product or click onto your website and make a purchase uh, so personalized marketing is basically just sending sending the thing that somebody cares about to their inbox or to an ad so that they're more interested in it uh, and more interested in seeing it 
Absolutely. You want to find relevant information to the person or they're going to abandon or they're, they're just not going to pay attention to the message. So in a world of, like you said, we're, we, we actually talked about this, uh, Shanif yesterday. I know, uh, you were, you were tuning in, um, you've listened to all 233 episodes. Um, of course, clearly, um, we were talking about this yesterday on the podcast that data has become, uh, what are people, we were talked about the things that people are not paying attention to. And a lot of it is the data and how that is impacting the decisions you make. And a lot of it was, Hey, the outside effect of the new wave of marketing of post iOS 13 update. I won't get into the, the nitty gritty. People have told me this in every agency. It's like iOS 13.21, something like that. They're, they're the specific update where they're getting rid of, and putting the power into the user to not be yeah. trackable um, in terms of that data. And then obviously Google making the announcement of cookie list tracking or the rolling back cookie tracking. Um, why is that relevant to you and why do people need to start paying attention to this more so now than ever? Yeah, you know, it's really interesting and I won't get too deep into the details either, but if you take a look at what's happened, marketers are now no, no longer able to uh, advertise as efficiently. You know, before they might have been able to spend a dollar on Facebook to make two dollars because Facebook was really good at finding people who could be a potential customer. A lot of these tech updates that have come out of Apple and that are coming out of Google are going to make it a lot harder for the advertiser systems like Facebook to find customers easily. And that means you as a marketer, you're going to be spending a dollar and sometimes you might make 50 cents off that. So it's a tough job. Again, it's really hard for marketers to figure out how to do this uh, in a way that's profitable and repeatable. So the reason it matters uh, for them is obviously it affects their bottom line. It affects their revenue. The reason it matters for us is because we provide the tools and resources to help them get around some of these problems. A lot of what we can do is uh, start to provide better data to Facebook that you can get back to those sort of pre-iOS you know, iOS update ad level spends, or we can sort of provide you with better data to your email systems so that you as a, as a marketer can target your customers maybe with the products that they're likely to buy instead of just sending out your best sellers show somebody the product that you know they're most likely to buy next. So from our perspective, um, it's while it's actually kind of challenging uh, to deal with the Facebook uh, side of things from a marketing perspective, it's actually been a boon for us for our business because it does sort of help us be more relevant to marketers who are trying to drive uh, better results from their campaigns. So what what is um, what's an example? I want to know um, if I come yeah. to you as a marketer, how are you going to help me dictate what my audience is? How yeah. how can I find relevant breakdown of what's going to be important to me. There's a, you know, there's a few ways that you can use data to do this a little bit better. So let's take, for example, a coffee company, you know, you might have five or six different types of blends, maybe a few subscriptions, might, maybe even some merchandise. Uh, so you might not know, you know, who's more likely to subscribe to your coffee subscription or who's might, who's likely to buy merchandise. So maybe you're sending out a massive discount to your entire list, or maybe you're trying to figure out who you should be showing ads to. Um, spending a lot of money doing this and you're probably not getting a lot of results. What we can come in and do is we'll say, look, you know, Ryan is most likely to buy decaf. Shanif is most likely to buy, I don't know, Sumatra blend X, Y, and Z person is most likely to buy these things. And then you can start to target these people based on the products they're most likely to buy. By doing this, you might increase your, uh, let's say your open rates and your click through rates for your emails, which will then lead to higher conversion rates. You might also be able to target these people with the specific product, let's say on Facebook or Google, and that's going to reduce your spend. So that's one way we help. There's a lot of other things we can do. So for example, you can take 
maybe a simpler segment of people. Who are your best customers historically? And who are your best customers forecasted going forward? Send those over to Facebook, create a lookalike audience. And by doing that, you can acquire new customers who look like those people. You can do this more profitably than if you weren't using these sort of uh, you know, AI tools and predictions. So there's a lot we could do, but really it's upselling, cross-selling, and uh, new customer acquisition at an affordable price for the marketer. So are you in it, are you essentially that that all is fantastic by the way. I, I just want to understand the the dynamics. Are you are you really wanting people to push back to to social media advertising or and because I know yeah. I know in Facebook you can hyper target and you and can really be focused in terms of that can get expensive the more you target them down. But ultimately are you trying to push them back to social media acquisition or yeah. can you push them email? How, how how do you how can you funnel them? In that regard, great with question. That data. We uh, we'll actually plug into hopefully all the tools that a marketer is using. So email, SMS platforms, paid social, paid search. Um, you know, we're we're starting to build integrations with things like Pinterest. Looking into TikTok. Our goal is really to provide a tool for you as a marketer to go into whatever tools you're using and then really use those tools better than you have been using them today. So you mentioned you know Facebook and paid social. You can certainly target uh, based on broad-based interest groups. Um, now, is that going to help you more than maybe targeting based on historical behavior and actions that similar people have taken uh, across the web? What we've seen is we can sort of drive better performance when you're using our segments as compared to broad-based interest groups on Facebook. And then like if you're using us on email, we might be able to drive a higher sort of open rate and conversion rate if you're using us rather than compare, like comparing that to maybe a broad-based email that you send out to everyone. So really the name of the game is uh, precision, personalization. When you apply that to any channel, you're going to start to see better results. How, how detailed in the segmentation can you get? Um, for example, when I worked in, um, when I worked in uh, affiliate marketing for a, a CPG company, there was a lot of different segments that would have to work with there. There's a segment of the discount seeker. There's a person who, uh, they would have a really high average order value, but yeah. they would, um, and they would need to look for coupon. It's just not their time. They just want to buy what they want. Um, and then they move on. They're pretty, pretty consistent. Maybe it's a one-time thing. They're looking for a gift. They don't care about discount. They just want to buy something for someone, but then you also have the repeat buyer. How, how detailed does, AI kind of get for you and how does that help from a marketer's perspective really uh, focus their message even more? Yeah, it's, it's funny because the three segments you just mentioned, you know, big spenders, um, <laughs> loyal purchase customers, we're making all of those and we're making Look at that. like- We're on the same yeah, page. Or, exactly, you know, it's like almost like uh, we rehearsed this, but we actually didn't. We did not, um, everyone. This is the first we time not. we've spoken. Yeah. Uh, this is all offhand. I don't have segmentations or- Shanif didn't come with me. He's like, make sure you mention the three pillars that we work on. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like you're doing my pitch for me. It's yeah, great. This is what, you, um, this is what no, happens when yeah. you do, <laughs> when you podcast a lot. I imagine so. Um, no, we're making you know all those segments. So we'll come up with things like who your biggest spenders, who your frequent customers, purchasers. We'll do things like forward-looking predictions, like who is, uh, who's most likely to be in the top 10% of spend going forward. But then we'll get really granular. We'll actually take every product on your website and we'll say who's most likely to buy this. We'll take every collection. If you're on Shopify, for example, we'll say who's likely to buy from this collection. We'll even get down to like who's likely to buy this purchase, this product again within the next 30 days. And so we'll go broad and then we'll also go really deep. And you as a marketer, uh, you have the tools now to be able to choose how you want to use that. 
most marketers, you know, I've, as I'm sure you've seen, Ryan, they're they're busy, they're overworked. What they're doing is they're uh, they're taking the segments and they're setting up flows and campaigns and ads, uh, maybe once, and then they're just letting them run. And maybe it takes a little bit of setup time to start these things off. Um, but once you set them up, you know, you can just let them run, and then you kind of maybe if you're on paid social, you tweak out the creatives every now and then, or if you're on email, you sort of update the offer. But once you've set them up, then they'll just run and you'll sort of make predictable revenue uh, going forward. And you can do really creative things. You can maybe target one product a week or target a collection a week based on who's likely to buy those collections. Uh, really sort of the sky's the limit when it comes to you as a marketer. And then what we're trying to do later this year is sort of automate that whole process in terms of you can just click a button, have all your campaigns set up, and then all you have to do is sort of sit back and watch them uh, make sure they're, they're running properly. Um, so again, our, I was, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Finish up. Our tool is, yeah, no, we just try to make the right tools for marketers so that you as a marketer can, can do your job more efficiently. That's amazing. So Shirini, if I have a question, this is the, the, the whole, um, the days old, or I would say years old, uh, conversation with AI automation yep. versus manually, uh, tweaking with a person in front of it. How often do you have this conversation and how yeah. important is it to automate slash have artificial intelligence working with you in conjunction or 100% for you without the eyeballs or uh, campaign manager involved? How do, you, how do you have that conversation with people? Such an interesting question because what these marketers, um, in most companies that we're working with, marketers are, like I kind of mentioned earlier, they're really overworked and they're doing a lot of of the work right now to maybe jump into Excel and try to get a feel for what customers they should be targeting next or what patterns they're seeing. And they don't want to be doing this and it's kind of a tedious. And so I like to take, uh, I used to say kind of the the best way to use AI is kind of man plus machine. So, you know, a little bit less PC now, maybe human plus machine, trying to make sure that you as the expert have the tools that you need. Uh, you're not working on sort of the tedious tasks. You're working on the tasks that we as humans excel at you know creativity connecting with each other and so what we take the approach of doing is uh we say there are certain things that machines are just really good at doing they're really good at taking a store that's got maybe 200 products and 100,000 customers and matching those customers to the right products we as humans don't need to be work working about on that but we as humans need to come up with maybe the right creatives and the right sort of uh flows that we can use to target people based on this information so from my perspective, we've started with the most tedious tasks. We've automated that. We've made that a little bit more intelligent. And we're just going to build upon that. So now we're going to provide you tools, maybe in, in addition to the tracking. Now maybe you'll have a, a tool that can optimize your subject lines and maybe a tool that can optimize sen sending at, a, at the right time of day. All of this goes to say you control everything that's going on, but you can rely on a tool to help you optimize different parts of the process so that you can make the most of the campaigns you're running now. Gotcha. Will we, yeah, will we ever get to a point where an AI is running everything for you and you're just kind of sitting back and relaxing? Maybe, you know, that's kind of the long-term vision for our company, but it's a long way to get there and you still have a lot of work to do as a marketer. And so it's just a matter of making your life easier. Yeah, data can only get you so far and obviously automation can only get you so far, uh, but obviously optimizing uh, time efficiencies instead of manually creating campaigns and look like audiences and things like that. I think that's where the time saving venture and you focus on more important tasks, like yeah. how to grow your business and, and more important things in that vein, basically. Um, curious what, um, if I'm a company, 
how many products or services or solutions yeah. does it make sense to start to look at? Maybe I do need to optimize with AI or have somebody like Aptio come in and, and really help me evolve my company because I can imagine it'd be maybe like five, five, it would be necessary to do that. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Like what, what's your standpoint and kind of value prop there? Like at what level does it make sense to start looking at something yeah. like you guys? We, you know, we, we like to say to our customers, if you've got 10 products or more and about a thousand sort of historical orders, that's when uh, the AI system can come in and really start to help you. Because that's then the you're baseline. starting okay. as a baseline. And then what's interesting with AI is the more data you have, the better off it gets. So we actually see the best performance on stores where they've got, like I said, hundreds of thousands of people and ten, you know, thousand products. Uh, because there you sort of got the system that can work on the long tail. It can find sort of the product, a niche product that each individual person would be really interested in buying. You know, below 10 products, below a thousand customers, uh, you can do it all manually um, and you might not even have enough data for an ai system to really learn from maybe you do uh kind of depends but but above sort of that 10 product thousand thousand order historical limit is where we start to see a lot of success so in ai um maybe maybe we can simplify it when someone hears ai you know they think like robots or people who can yeah. think like a human or uh you know make choices on their own AI is a little bit more intuitive than that obviously i would say it's more of a you know, narrowing down or eliminating opportunities for people so they don't, like we had mentioned at the top of the show, don't have to, uh, you know, push them down that path. Maybe it's yeah. more relevant and we can narrow that funnel a lot quicker. What are the things that an AI algorithm or something looks at so that it provides relevant information quicker? Is it time spent on website? Is it like, what are those like very keystone things that AI helps look at people or look at yeah. a customer or potential avatar and make those decisions for you. We, you know, we tend to find, well, so the way we do it at least is we'll take maybe 70 or 80 different data points that we have about a person, about a store, and we'll feed that into the AI. And what's cool about the AI is it learns which, which ones of those are useful and relevant and it ignores the ones that aren't. So in our, you know, in our experience and my experience, um, there's been a few things that have been really sort of helpful for an AI system to learn what people are likely to do next. There's the obvious ones, like um, how much has somebody spent on each individual product, you know, over the past three months, six months, year. That has a lot of sort of uh, predictive predictive power. Based on what you've done in the past, people are, it's pretty easy to figure out, you know, what you're likely to do in the future. So you can always also use things like what products people are looking at. But you also have really interesting things maybe that you didn't think about, like zip code. Zip code tends to be something that can be very predictive, uh, depending on the brand and, and the store and the products that you're selling. Um, you have things like whether you're not whether you're predicted to be male or female, like that information might not come in, but you can sort of infer that based on somebody's name. And this, and you can I was going to say, what maybe I'm going to stop here right there. Where, uh, yeah. what, it, what is the machine learning? How is it taking that information? Like if I'm new to the website and I have FTO. Yeah kind of like skimming this profile is something feeding the information to the website or what, what is it? Obviously zip code, is that pulling from IP yep. address? Or are you pulling it from a potentially segment of, Hey, where, where do you like a pop-up saying, Hey, to get free shipping, for example, put in your zip code. Are you, are you getting zero party data? Or are you getting something fed to you directly from another outside source? 
It's a, con it's a combination of a couple of things. So when I'm talking about zip code and name, I'm talking about people who maybe have already made a purchase from your store gotcha. and you're okay. trying to send them a remarketing campaign. But you can also start to figure out, are people looking on a web, are people looking at a product? And if they are, do you have information on them in the past? Or if not, you start to play around with that. So the most sort of predictive attributes come after somebody has made a purchase from your store. Uh, and then you can start sure. to figure out what they're likely to do next. For people who are browsing, maybe you have their email address. Maybe you can start to see what emails they've clicked on in the past. Maybe you can start to see how long they've been on your site. So that's all also relevant. Uh, but in the best case scenario, let's say you know everything about someone, the, the sort of the things I just mentioned in terms of zip code, which will come through on maybe a previous order when someone's giving you their shipping address or you know their name, obviously, with, uh, when they come through on a shipment, uh, you can start to use that to forecast or predict whether they're male or female. These are the sorts of things that make a huge impact in being able to, to decide if somebody is going to, if someone's going to come back again, and if they are, what are they going to purchase next? What is data that you, that people seem to like very focus, very much focus on, but you as a marketer and, and a person who's worked with all those data points that pe you just try to tell people, please ignore that. Like you don't need to worry yeah. about this. What is that thing? I find that despite of what I just said, sometimes demographics may not be that important. So let's say you're doing a broad-based interest, a uh, broad-based target for, let's say, senior citizens. For whatever reason, that's what your product is selling. Or maybe not even seniors, maybe just people from the age of 30 to 60, you know, in a certain area. You're selling life that, alert and you want to tell, talk to people who are, who are at home by themselves <laughs> and they're more likely going to slip and fall and need help. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, selling the teenagers, right? You know, obviously. <laughs> there are certain stores. Sounds like a I good will market. say that. Yeah, exactly. There are certain stores where you may maybe don't need to worry about demographics as much. Um, and the reason is because, because behavioral data, what someone has done in the past, is just way better at telling you what they're going to do next. So sometimes demographics is less important than people make it out to be. Um, and so I would tell them, look, if you've got sort of first party or zero party data already, rely on that first and then use the demographics to maybe tweak and hone uh, your messaging. Um, let's see. So outside of that, what's important? Sometimes, believe it or not, the products that people are browsing uh, may not be super important. Um, now, what's interesting, what we do is we actually take all this information for each one of our customers will create sort of their own independent AI system. So let's say this information isn't relevant for you as a, I don't know, as a fashion company. That doesn't mean it won't be relevant for you as a food company. But I have seen sometimes that the products that people are browsing are less predictive than uh, the products they bought in the past. Really interesting thing. A lot of, a lot of the stores that we work with, uh, people will come back and buy the exact same product again. And that doesn't necessarily apply just to like food companies. That could be like the same exact shirt or the same exact book. And so it's one of those things where the product that you're looking at at any given point is helpful to know about, but maybe less predictive than what you've done in the past. And so from our perspective, it really comes down to every store is different, um, but these are some you know, demographics, certainly, and then sometimes time on site, products viewed may not be as important as some people think they are. Uh, they could be, but it's different for each store. So in that capacity, what is the... What's the most important piece of data that you can ever acquire from somebody? If you had to narrow it down to like three pieces yeah. and I'm a marketer here or I'm a business owner here, what are the three things I need to capture in order to provide the most comprehensive like base yep. of a customer? 
what I've seen in general, uh, the first date that you made a purchase or how long ago you made your first purchase. That's one of the most predictive things. If you made your purchase recently, and this is again, speaking generally, you're more likely to buy something again, which means that people who made a purchase really long time ago, you really have to work hard. Second thing is the amount of money that you spent on a product in the past, let's say X number of days, 30, 60, 90. So product that you purchased and how much you spent on it, super predictive. Um, and then let's say, um, for lack of something right off the top of my head, I will say geography, very predictive. So like I said, zip code, city, state, those pieces of information tend to make a big difference when we're trying to help a store better predict what their customers are going to buy next. So between those three, you actually have a lot of predictive power. Um, everything else also helps. It helps sort of tweak things and make things more precise. But if I had to come up with three off the top of my head, those would be it. So I'm the, the, the first two make a lot of sense. I think like obviously yeah. the time when you made it, the purchase frequency, and then also the amount of what you're purchasing. What is demographic? Yeah. Uh, what does geography make sense? Because to me, that would almost, I, initially off cuff, I would think that wouldn't yeah. mean too much if I'm selling widgets or pots and pans and things like that. Yeah. But hey, Atlanta for some reason is the number one market in there is it just because that's where a lot of is, my customers live or what is yeah, that isn't it so it's so surprising so we've i've done a little bit of work trying to figure this out um there's a couple of things so let's assume let's just let's assume you've got zip code which is kind of as granular as you can get you actually have a lot of things that are tied up in your zip code you kind of have a everyone in a, in a zip code kind of has the same more or less socioeconomic status they've got the same sort of interest they've got the same sort of whatever it is xyz so when you've got the zip code, you really actually have a, a high, hyper niche group of people who more or less have very similar interests. So zip code is great because you've got sort of a self-selection. Um, it's almost like a self-segregating group of people for better or worse. Uh, if you don't have the zip code, the city and the state can still be really important. And I think a lot of what I've seen is a lot of the small and mid-sized businesses that we work with do have a, sort of a localization or a local component to them. Like they're selling maybe uh, highly in the Midwest or maybe they're selling exclusively in Canada and they're selling to the biggest cities, Toronto or whatever. Maybe they're a coastal company and they're selling surfboards and things like that. So these are these are pieces of information that have a lot tied into them. But I think you know when you think about it, it is because a lot of e-commerce companies today are super, not super niche, but they have sort of the right market they know how to target that market and geography can be a big, a big way to understand who's, who are the people that fit into that market. Um, so kind of a hand wavy answer, I know, because there's a lot that goes into geography, but those are some of the things that I've come across, at least in, in my analysis of why this is the case. So, uh, that is very fascinating. Who, um, who in your mind, uh, Shanif, are you, are you thinking, Hey, if I had to model a company that's doing almost perfectly, is there, is there one that you're trying to let you use a case study on it that with all your new clients and say, look at this company that either you work with or you haven't worked with, but you're saying that I know for a fact that they're doing it the right way. They yeah. don't have any really major holes in how they're collecting that data and disseminating it in their marketing. I wish I could give you an answer, but I think data- Hard-hitting questions has, here on Crossover Yeah, it's true. It's true. I don't think that there's a single company out there that's collecting- um, the best and optimal amount of data from the from the D2C side. 
Amazon is doing it really well. I'll tell you this from a SaaS provider and from a technology provider side, Amazon is the king of all this stuff. But if you're talking about a brand or even an agency who's trying to figure out what, what do I need? How do I collect this information? Especially now that you can no longer use sort of Facebook to target people based on the websites they visit across the web. It's hard. It's hard, man. And so, you know, most stores, they're collecting sort of the email address and the phone number with a pop-up when someone first visits their site. And most stores, you get sort of the standard collection of information when somebody first makes a purchase. But um, maybe you've got all of this information and you're not using it. This is actually the more common uh, situation I've seen. Maybe you have some really helpful information. Obviously, you don't have everything. Like you don't know what, what outside sites your customers are visiting. But you've got enough to start with. But maybe you don't know how to use it. Or maybe it's all siloed and maybe you don't ever look at it. Um, so I really wish, Ryan, I could give you a, an answer of somebody who's doing it really well. I think there are brands that we can aspire to. Like I think Allbirds does a really good job of um, collecting information, sending out emails, sending out the right messaging to the right people. Um, they've been around for a while. They're a really big brand. I think some cosmetics companies, Scentbird, I think is doing a good job of that. Obviously the big ones, uh, L'Oreal, they're doing a good job of this type of stuff. Uh, but data, like getting data, and getting it in the way that you can use it and optimally make use of it, it's, it's a challenging thing for every company uh, today. I agree. I think, uh, I think a lot of people have more than what they think um, at their disposal, and you can start to test a lot. I think a lot of people are just afraid of utilizing those kinds of tools at their disposal to make and tweak different things. This is this is kind of the component of Shanif that uh, a lot of people also struggle with. Like you said, data, Amazon is the number one uh, probably data collector right now, apart from Google, I would say it's yeah. probably close. Uh, sort of in terms of avatar behavior, you can create it with your obviously prime subscription and order history. They serve yeah. you in multiple different ways of Hey, look, based upon your browsing history, based upon your search history, based upon your past uh, orders and collective and who you're searching for and what time of day, all that data exists within Amazon's yeah. ecosystem. So they better serve from a third party perspective and seller perspective to you on relevant times, obviously subscribe and save um, search history based upon like Google history. If you have browsers and all this stuff, it all kind of points back to it. The trouble is, is that if I'm a third party seller, and Amazon, which again is 60 plus percent of all sales that's happening uh, is for a third party seller. They don't have access mm -hmm. to the back end. They used to have at least customer address and you can get the avatar lookalike audience based around that. That isn't even in the case right now. So the trouble is, is how do you get zero party data, build lookalike audiences off of Amazon or drive people to Amazon, but also have that customer segment that you can utilize for repeat history, uh, serving ads to things like that. Do you have that conversation with a lot of different brands and companies and how are you, how are people overcoming that? We've had this, uh, and it's certainly a problem. What we've tended to find is the larger companies have made a concerted effort to sell more on their own domains and less on Amazon. And so the companies that are having a big issue with this right now tend to be smaller companies. Um, certainly an issue, but what we've seen is that folks who've been around for a while have seen this problem and they've done a big, uh, they've made a big effort to get people to buy from their own domain name, from their own Shopify store. So when someone comes to us and they say, hey, look, most of my sales are on Amazon, we'll basically say, awesome, there are tools out there on Amazon that you can use to optimize your search positioning. There are tools out there that you can use to optimize your ads. We would recommend you do that because it can lead to a lot of sales. 
but we should, but you really want to start targeting people um, towards your own store, towards your own domain, towards your own Shopify ecosystem, because because you're just going to run into all of these scalability issues, targeting issues, marketing issues in a year, in two years, and you're going to wish that you had started earlier. And so from our perspective, we are fortunate enough that the larger brands have started to already do that. So they have a bunch of great data that our system can work with. The smaller brands, we would recommend them starting to think about an off Amazon strategy where they can start to maybe mix in sales from their own domain uh, in addition to sales from Amazon. And that includes things that involves things like doing email marketing to your existing customers using referrals and affiliate programs as incentives. That involves things like running Facebook ads and Google search ads and shopping ads, which by the way, have been really effective um, at the Google, the Google side of things have been really effective to get people onto new, new stores and, and uh, get new customers. Um, TikTok influencer marketing, like start to work on things that can get people to your own store. So you can start to have this larger data set that you can use down the line. Yeah. I, th I think that there's a lot of unique ways that even if you can get them to follow or like your brand or on social media, again, a lot of people do the follow yeah. campaign. Uh, some, of the, some of the cool things I've heard of, obviously, um, if they get to your website or if they're buying through Amazon, I think one of the coolest inserts, again, inserts very, very tight. You can't do or ask for too much, obviously, uh, perfect yeah. reviews or things like that. TOS compliant. Um, this is one of the cooler ones that I've seen come from brands is, hey, post your unboxing from Amazon on TikTok or something like that. Uh, use a certain hashtag. And um, if you get a certain amount of views, uh, email us and uh, send the video and or point to the video that you posted and we'll give you like a, like $100 rewards to our store or something like that or um, gift card or something like that to it. So again, a lot of people like the idea of becoming uh, an influencer, right? A lot of people are like, I can't wait to trend in this one stupid video thing or whatever it is. And <laughs> yeah. again, it, it, it depends on who you're catering to. Um, but if they get to a certain threshold, they're obviously helping you with create creative marketing. Uh, you want to reward them for that. And people, you know, buy into that kind of stuff. Is there other creative things like that, that you've seen people kind of utilize one channel, but also help you get involved in certain other channels to make sure that they can either follow or like, or get yeah. more, into your own ecosystem? That's kind of the, the question of the year, I would say. A lot of brands are trying to figure out what's the best channel? How do I start, start to get new customers? How do I start to get away from ecosystems that control my data so that I can make better use? Um, the, the one I've seen that works the best is what kind of similar to what you just mentioned, the TikTok sort of videos, the influencer videos where you somehow influence people or get people to sort of post your product, unboxing videos, videos where they're using your product in real life um, has started to work pretty well. And then you've got a lot of different, um, a lot of different channels. I think influencer marketing is going to become bigger and bigger. I think that has started to really take off last year and this year um, where you are relying on an existing influencer and their existing audience to sort of promote your product. I think affiliate marketing, um, has potential. I haven't really seen it take off as much as it probably could. You know, the idea where your best customers can bring you new customers and you share a portion of the revenue you drive with them. There's a lot of brands that are, yeah, there's a lot of brands that have these programs, but maybe they're not pushing them and maybe they're not as effective as they could be. Um, I think those are two new channels, not new, but sort of relatively untapped channels that people are going to start to tap into more. 
and they're going to start to utilize a lot more. Um, outside of that, I would say I'm keeping my eyes open. Um, haven't really seen too many new things uh, outside of that. One thing that's interesting, though, is I have started to see brands implement sort of um, new ways to collect data. So there's a lot of quiz applications out there. There's mm -hmm. a lot of applications that let you sort of, uh, yeah, tag tag posts, and that goes into an automated system. And brands are starting to pay more attention to using their, their data uh, better themselves. But I think the world's changing quickly. So we'll see in the next 12 months kind of what people get into and go from there. So with that being said, what's kind of the focus kind of the last couple of minutes we have with you? What's the, what's the focus going into 2022? We're in Q2 right now, just launched. Yeah. Uh, where Where's the success and where's the need that a lot of your customers are asking for help on? A lot of it is, face, is, is basically Facebook ads and improving the spend there. So they're still doing it, right? They're still trying to use it as a channel and they're running into issues. And now they're trying to, um, maybe they're, their reach has sort of come back down to earth where they're saying, look, I can't reach maybe a hundred million customers, but I'll reach X million. And if, as long as I have a decent return on ad spend or ROAS, it works for me. And so they're wanting help sort of creating ads that are less expensive, but drive around the same amount of money. That's probably been one of the areas where we've been able to help the most. Other areas where they're struggling is um, repeat sales and retention, like keeping a customer around. Most of the brands we work with, I would say on average, anywhere from 70 to 80% of their customers only buy a single thing. They just make one purchase. But if you look at the people who are making repeat purchases, they're worth like 10x as much. And so a lot of brands are looking at this now and they're saying, okay, we have to focus more on the customers that are going to buy from us multiple times. Let's start to figure out what's the best way to do that. Sometimes they don't know. And so they're asking us, what's the best way to target these people? Should I put in loyalty programs? Should I go to provider X, Y, and Z to do SMS instead of provider ABC. A lot of things that people are trying to do now to keep their existing customers around. And that's an area where we can help. Um, and so there's, you know, a couple of the, a couple of these things, which people are starting to feel the pain around uh, in terms of no longer being able to have Facebook as a really good tool. They're getting around that now by doing different things. Um, and that's really where we're, you know, being asked to help quite a bit. I love that. And then I, I also heard yesterday, a lot of people are just trying to like subscription based models. And I think there's a lot of how, how do you get that repeat purchase and customer with low, um, low effort, but also that they can continuously buy. And again, I know Amazon yeah. does it for certain things. I, I feel like if I went down that rabbit hole, I would just get random stuff sent to me all the time. And I, <laughs> I can never, I can never time it out appropri uh, appropriately. So it's, it's always either too early or Hey, what, when am I getting my next subscription? There's never a sweet spot and I, and I hate that about it. So I just do it when I, when I truly need it yeah. or want it to. So, uh, Shani, uh, it's been an awesome talk with you. I would nerd out about data all day long. Um, but I know you have stuff to do and, uh, now I'm sure we would get less and less people, uh, talking about it. So just be an individualized conversation instead of, uh, an awesome value packed conversation that we've had so far. So that being said, if there are people that want to connect with you, they want to, they want to really lean in, into AI yeah. helping uh, with their business and the grow in 2022. How do people connect with you and how do people find out more information about you guys? Yeah, appreciate that. It's been an awesome chat, Ryan. Um, if anybody out there is interested in trying this out, just go to apteo.co, A-P-T-E-O.co, or you can just email me. I'm at I'm Shanif, S-H-A-N-I-F at apteo.co. We'll get your listeners hooked up with an extended free trial. And we're also offering a $100 credit towards people who want to use our data to try out campaigns, mostly because we are pretty confident that uh, we're driving a lot more in value from that. So uh, happy to hook your listeners up uh, as needed. 
Yeah, just mention the crossover commerce when you guys email or check them out. Uh, obviously, the team. How big is the team? We never, uh, I never understand how how big are you guys now as a yeah. We we keep things tight. So there's about there's uh, three of us who are machine learning engineers and who come from the tech world. There's one guy who's helping out with design. There's a couple of sales guys. So really, just a handful of people who are sort of running this business. We're relatively new. We came out on the Shopify App Store last year, and sort of we've been accelerating growth since then. And so hopefully, going to grow. Uh, grow the team a little bit this year, but at the moment, mostly just focused on using sort of really good tech and really good AI to help our customers in the next six to 12 months. I love that, man. Well, congratulations on the success in the new company and obviously uh, all the cool stuff that you guys are working with. There's lots of great brands already that are utilizing your help and in need. And obviously, you know what you're talking about based upon our conversation today. So thank you so much, Shanif, for hopping on across every commerce today. We uh, will get now that people come through uh, and spend an hour with me or so. I call them friends of the show. So now friend, friends are always welcome back to my corner of the internet. So you're more than welcome to come on and uh, chat anytime you feel the need to. So thanks so much for hopping on Crossover Commerce today. Thanks so much, Ryan. Appreciate it. No problem. And thank you everyone for hopping on episode 233. I'm going to make sure and double check that number 233 again of Crossover Commerce. We love having on people like Shanice just to kind of give a broader perspective and understanding of data is super important. It's understandably, you can't go wrong with getting the right collection of information so that you can make better decisions on the road. Again, this can apply to marketing, specifically what we talked about today, but also just business making decisions on what products are your best sellers, which ones are trending, which ones are consistent. All eyes, all data points you in the right direction. So make sure that you have the most of it to make sure you can get the best decisions possible for your brand or your company at large. That being said, this is episode 233 of Crossover Commerce. Thank you, Shanif, over at FTO. Go ahead and check him out. Uh, all the connections and the websites and how to get in touch with him are going to be in the show notes. Or if you're watching this live still, um, you can go in the comment section and check out the description portion to connect with him on social media. And again, you heard the offer um, with listeners of the episode. Go ahead and check him out and just mention Crossover Commerce sent you and get an awesome cool perk i'm ryan kramer this is crossover commerce that's gonna be it for this week uh, i'm gonna be traveling in the next couple of days but we'll be back next week with great live episodes on facebook linkedin youtube or twitter but as always you can listen to our favorite your favorite episodes and new episodes coming out on social media as well as your favorite podcast destinations but with that being said i'm ryan kramer thank you Shanif of fto we'll catch you guys next time on another episode of crossover commerce take care mm -hmm.